be shift boss. Okay, radio check. Yeah, radio's working fine. Yeah, copy all personnel. Yeah, copy, mate. There's a chair in the vet bag. Yeah, stitch her up there, thanks, mate. Yeah, right, eh? Copy that. Right, eh? So we've got Life of Mine's number one fan and Mal Major's number one fan in the one room. Yeah, man, you. It, it, great to be back. It, it really, and, and it's, it, it's great to be back in Perth where the weather is warm. Great for me, not so good for Nikki. Yeah. <laughs> also, she's um, become well accustomed to the European weather. Then. Yeah, she's more at home. I think she's more European that she in the, in that weather state than um, than she is in Australia. Oh no, mate! It's great to have you back. I could. I'm so glad we actually got to um, uh, got to meet up. Uh, as one of the were numerous numerous interviews with yourself back in the day and a great supporter of the show and I'm just I'm glad we made it happen. I'm absolutely stoked to see you. So Yeah, it's been twenty eight months since we've been home. So um that know, it's the right. first first opportunity we've had to, to really come home, to, to fit in with COVID, fit in with schools, school holidays and the and the like, right? So it's been really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We're gonna have a bit of a rundown of what the majors have been up to over in uh, in Europe. Uh, if everyone, anyone wants to go back get a bit of context, God, it was like episode 91 or something that we first, I think it was the first video one we did and talking about your, your upcoming trip to move to Amsterdam for Sandvik. Uh, we're going to talk about that three years, which was heavily COVID-ridden. <laughs> ridden. But um, before we get into it, Mal, give everyone just a quick spiel of who you are, what you do, for people that haven't listened to the old ones, anyone that's newly tuned in. Yeah, so... Pump out um, the CV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Mel Major, uh, VP for Service Operations based in Amsterdam now. And for us, we sit within the Parts and Service Division. So yeah. then prior to that, I was the BLM for Loden Hall, which sat in the Loden Hall Division. So and that's how we do. And, and, and I guess for me, right, I mean, going back to what Parts and Service is, it was really interesting for me because uh, we're always on the outside, you know, no surprise to the um, people listening that how big Samvik is and how t- it's hard sometimes to, to to work out who does what in Samvik, right? And uh, and it's no different to us and um, and that's also trying to simplify it. So within Parts and Service, you know, it's it's that's how we support our customers, right? So it is for us to go in there and, and really to dissect it and, and understand it. You've got to go back to the basics of, you know, what you're trying to do and what you're trying to achieve within the business. So it was really good for me. And now uh, 13 years within Samic to, to, to actually get back you know, you call it the back line, essentially. And, you know, how do you support the, you know, the people in the front? Because we've been to the front line now. And that's an amazing part to be in the front line as well. But then how do you take those learnings into the back as well and, and support your um, the, the sales teams, the service teams and, and that as well? It's been really cool. So the front, when you refer to the front line, would you say that that's Perth in a way you're at the you serve the front line service and all the mine sites in Australia? Is that an example? Yeah, and it's the real pointy end of the business, right? Yeah. So the, the customer-facing people, so um, our account managers, our service teams uh, and, the, and the like, right? And there's, there's, there's heaps of them out there. Uh, how do you communicate to them globally? You know, and we know what we do here in Australia, and I'm, I'm an Australian, so uh, we've got a pretty good idea, but a limited idea of what happens globally within the bigger business as well. So when you when you first went to Europe uh, three years ago, um, what were you? I guess what were you sent over there for? What was your what did parts and service look like and where did you want to get it to? And we'll talk about where it is today. What was the evolution process? 
Yeah, and it's it's really interesting because, and and I think for me, and when I reflect on it, is uh, I come from a, a maintenance background, so auto sparky by trade, uh, and coming through that maintenance management um, and the like. I'd always been on that service side of the business, so to go into the sales side of it and to have that um, view uh, of the world and how you support is for service is. Uh, how do you support the customer better going forward? And um, I, I mean, I look at our products. I mean, we've got the best um, products on the market, you know, uh, and of course that'll cause a stir, but, um, you know, we have great products, right? Um, but how do you support them better in the future, right? And, you know, where we're talking, the, the industry is in a huge um, growth state, right? So um, how do you do it going forward? So we looked at it from a technician's point of view um, to really, it's a service transformation is what we're talking about here. So to, to transform service, you've got to go back to what does it actually mean to us as a business? Well, it, it actually means that, um, that we can support our products, we can keep the technology in there uh, and um, you know, have those learnings and, and um, spread globally about our products so they can be supported better and do what they need to do. Uh, as I explained it to my team, the, when you sell of a piece of equipment, you, you're sold a promise. You know, I've promised to you that, that that equipment will deliver. So we need to support our customers to to fulfill that promise. So, and it's not just here in Australia, it, it is it, 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 literally globally. So what works in here is not necessarily gonna work mm -hmm. in Australia uh, or work in the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. So you've gotta have, um, you know, those processes and systems that can't rely on people now. Mm -hmm. It has to rely on the, the, the background work that you put into it and the, the process systems, the tools, the training uh, and the like to make that happen. And what, cause what's your role within Sambic in, like internally when, as you said, you'd be getting your constant liaising with customers feedback as you said service like you know gr gremlins or things might pop up that weren't anticipated in design and things like that are you do you act as a bit of a, a middleman within sandvik of to the people that are designing the technology and the that continuous improvement loop i guess yeah and you have to right i mean our, our technicians and uh, we have uh, over 70 workshops globally we have five and a half thousand technicians globally so they're the ones that are touching the equipment they're the ones that are getting that feedback from customers uh, and so whatever you get you have to feed back to the factory right so we you know we firmly stay in our lane we know what we're meant to do we're service this is what we do uh, we provide that feedback and and if there's a a suggestion that comes with it then they get that as well yep. but uh, but we're there to help right and that that's ultimately what it is so what so get down to the nitty-gritty of what what you've achieved in this three years besides dodging dodging COVID and staying <laughs> out of being in lockdowns at the start yeah, which, we didn't we didn't dodge COVID <laughs> I mean I mean yeah we've yeah. all had it we all have various doses uh, and I think it's funny you know we reflect on the start uh, leaving Australia and, uh, and, and I think that one of the best photos that we have is leaving Perth Airport and we've got the masks and then we've got the face shields to get on the plane. Oh, that was at that so, level. So yeah. it was it was quite confronting to get there and, and not a lot of people on the plane, thankfully, at that stage. And so we dodged it for a while all the way up until, and that was uh, August 2020. Um, the first COVID that we got was in, uh, one of the boys was in uh, December 2020 and we, we came out of um, quarantine in um, just before Christmas, uh, yeah, Christmas Eve. So, uh, so it was it was pretty real at that state uh, then. Then, um, so for us, 
you know, we got there, the office was open for a month. We didn't know that we were getting into a, a worse state. We didn't know that there was these next waves coming. Uh, the office was open for only for four weeks and um, then we were in six months of curfews and lockdowns and stuff. So it was quite hard to communicate. So you're over communicating on teams and trying to meet your teams and uh, which was which was always interesting. Uh, but at that stage, it was really about trying to understand what service was for the business, right? So, um, so you essentially were unpacking it back to back to first base of everything was that the whole job yeah and, and you you've got to start from the start right and yeah. um you know what is what does actually service look like from the technician's point of view backwards what does the customer expect what's happened what's gone on in the past and then from then uh we we got together as a team and a bit of a uh, management shuffle up there and get the right you know the right people on the bus essentially and uh, and then from that we all came together and and as a collective and this is what we want service to do. So you come out with this, uh, I call it a killer strategy. I think it it works really well. And uh, from that killer strategy, you can see where the gaps are, and then you fill those gaps. So um, uh, we came out with this first with a project about, and we call it uh, solid support, is building the foundations. You know, and you've got to have the foundations that, before you can move anywhere, you know. And we talk about pockets of excellence globally and the pockets of excellence. We have some amazing people globally when you start um, unpacking all of that. But then how do you share those learnings globally is another is another thing as well. So um, so that was a, a, a key part of that. And that also built some of what we're doing now and, and it's built into our um, service platform or what we call it and because what we were fundamentally missing was how do we get the information of our new equipment to the technician and that's really difficult when they're sitting on a mine when they're you know traveling uh, in field service like and you know you'd imagine traveling within the gold fields here and how how that might look right so the future has to be digital right the future has to be sitting on a smart device and then getting that information but also feeding that information back so they get their work orders um, digitally through a through a device and through their asset management system and uh, from that they'll get all the information from the machine of the the you know tool man's essentially the manuals and uh, all all that sort of thing um, but also can feed that back um, through the systems as well, and so it, it's it's seamless in in that information sharing is what we're trying to do because it's 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 machines are getting smarter, and you know we're trying to upskill people um, to the next level. And it, unless you can give them the information, they they're guaranteed to fail, right? And um, when they need that information, so is this for both Sandvik technicians and on site? non-sandvik on-site technicians that don't have a dedicated sandvik person on site or is this a lot of yeah. this is for the internal sandvik we can only do so much mm. um straight away right and the first thing to do is have our technicians up to up to spec so if they're for sitting within service operations sitting with my team we have um, our workshop operations we have our field service operations we have the um, service contracts and we call them as well right um, and then there, we have a um, life cycle team in there we have our process and systems team and and um, our solid support side as well so we're supporting these technicians globally so if you call a sandbag technician they're going to have that information digitally and all the information about that machine they'll follow that asset through its life so they'll know exactly what's happened all through that asset's life and uh, but they can also 
have a look at assets globally and what's happened with those assets globally to to because we call, what we want to happen here is to fix it first time. Right, that's the ultimate goal. We'll go back to the promise. We made a promise that that machine is going to do this, and um, this is how we're going to do that and support that to um, to get that productivity. So you'll be able to. It's essentially it's going to. It's a massive database. So you'll be able to see on the other side of the world if this fault, a fault has occurred on a machine. If there's a common trend, it's yeah, very basically. So. And exactly right. And and so and that's the dream, right? And this yeah. doesn't happen overnight. Um, we have the first rollout in Canada uh, next year, and then um, US and Mexico, uh, following a bit of a uh, bit of a program there. There, um, so it, it's it does take time. You know, your yeah. it, it is really a um, transformation. Uh, it is also about change management to make sure that um, that everyone's on um, the same journey here as well. So it, it's it's pretty exciting when you look at that. It's a big investment. You know, and we've had to, you know, cap in hand to to the to the Sandvik board and say, hey, this is the way we envisage Sandvik um, having service, and um, this is what needs to happen. And um, and they, uh, fair credit to them, they've um, gone, yep, that's our vision as well. Fantastic. You know, you start, you have to look at the Sandvik strategy and that digital shift and how we support. So um, so it's great to get the whole business on board. And it's not so it's not just Mel, it's not just my team. Uh, it's vision the, the the business believes in this. Is, this is the way forward. It sounds a lot more efficient than the Facebook chat groups we have for jumbo faults that we <laughs> we, we uh, get slinging around if someone has a fault. Yeah, this sounds like a bit of a a lot more sophisticated and innovative version than what yeah, we deal with. And and it's right. I mean, and and Facebook chats have a have a you know a, a lifetime right because as soon as a, the expert leaves the group, then you lose that information right. But then everyone's experts in the group too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then how do you access that for the greater for the greater good how does the the factories add that and and improve a product right so um how do you you drill into that and if it's a dd421 that has an issue how do you drill down into that uh and and that's the thing right is how do you but make that more efficient did you when you as you said you when you're in perth you're in the load and haul lane as you sort of call it that was that was your lane yeah trucks and boggers what was it like going into this new role did you have to as a, is a, I assume a very uh, holistic Sandvik machinery role, which is every every single machine servicing every machine. What did, was there a lot to get up to speed on about different machines and the rest of the fleet? Yeah, and it is because right. If you look at what we cover, as well as the load and haul, it's underground drills, it's surface boom drills, surface rotary, and and uh, and plus the automation, right? So uh, and, and more importantly, the the rock drills um, and that sit in there. So when you start looking at that bigger picture, and um, you don't know everything, so now you've got to go and ask a lot of questions, and uh, and they're different customers. You know, you talk construction, you talk tunneling. They're uh, very, very different, and um, and how they work. I've been exposed to Surface before, so not so different. But um, Surface globally is very different, and machines are very different. You know, it, so you've got a lot to catch up to, and what that looks like as well. Yeah, bit overwhelming at the start, getting um, thrown into that or not. I think the overwhelming part is, you know, you're sitting here, you know, essentially in the sales area in the front line, the customer's pushing you on a daily basis, and then you go into the back line and your customer is, you know, the, the sales team and the service team and um, the parts teams. So, you know, what is your purpose now? Like um, who's who's giving you that sense of urgency? So there's a, 
I, I guess there's a there's a time there where you got to work out, you know, that um, uh, you got to make your own um, days urgency and and what that looks like, and you've got to retain that too. So you can't just sit there and oh, I, was, I was never going to go in there and just shine a seat. It was you get active, you get out there and you visit customer sites, you visit uh, our own customers, our factories. What are they looking for? What do they need? Um, also catching up on the latest trends of what service looks like as well. So. There's other ways to to get that excitement, but um, that, that's probably the, the, one of the hardest things to get um, your head around when you when you take that role. Mm. Tell us about Amsterdam and and I guess the European landscape for Zambic. So is Amsterdam the centre for sales and service? Is that why you're in Amsterdam, or that's just where you're living? Yeah, how's so, it all set up over there? Yeah, so the head office for the um, parts and service division sits in Amsterdam. Parts and service. Sorry. So, um, so with the underground drills, um, Loden Hall, they sit in uh, in, in Finland there. The um, boom drills also sits there, and the the rotary sit in. Um, in our lecturer in Florida, and then Camarillo for Loden Hall um, BV, and also in uh, Winnipeg for underground drills there, and other small factories around the place as well in China and South Africa. So for us, there's no logical place, you know, the, the parts and service sits, you know, we, we distribute parts, so they 70% of them come out of Europe, mm -hmm. uh, but we don't essentially need to be in a factory. Uh, we need to be more central uh, to time zones than we do, and and for um, for travel than we do need to be in a factory. How how far? What flight? How long's the, long is the flight from Amsterdam to Finland? Two hours. Oh, is it is that a regular trip for you, or you don't have to go there much? <laughs> yeah, it's been really regular, and um, it's been great collaboration with the um, in the divisions of what they're looking for, what we're mm -hmm. looking for, and you know that's one of the things that's fundamentally changed. Um, over the last few years is that collaboration, the divisions, at less siloed approach. You know, this is uh, more of the one Sambic than um, than there ever has, ever has been before. Yeah. It's been really good. So what's it like living in Amsterdam and that just going from sunny Perth to uh, <laughs> colder Amsterdam? I gather, give us a bit of what, what's it like for a family a family place to live? Well, it, it's it's less exciting than you think, right? They're, um, so we, we've built ourselves a normal life. Um, the, the kids have got some more independence than what they'd have here, and, um, and they take their push bikes to school and or walk in the in the sun, rain or the snow, and um, and and the ice that happens on the way as well. Um, so that's the the less boring side of it. The exciting thing is that um, you know we have a car there and. Uh, and we will travel. We're Australians, and we'll get in a car and we'll do, um, you know, two thousand kilometres down to Rome, um, you know, through Germany over the Swiss Alps and wow. um, through Lake Como and Pisa and that. It's pretty amazing, right? When you when you you're that close, and and you know, I will say like, you know, down to Paris Disneyland is only uh, five hours. You know, so like that, going to the Gold Coast over uh, east, it, isn't it? Exactly <laughs> right, and uh, so it, it it's a cool location. Right, mm. go to Copenhagen for the weekend. Well, you know, um, you can do that, and you get a, a four-day weekend, so it's quite achievable to do those things. Right, Christmas markets across in um, in Germany. You know, so it's some pretty uh, really interesting things to see. Right, um, we also one of the uh, long weekends, um, or we had a week for that one. Went across to the UK, so you go under the tunnel, put your car on a train, drive up to um, to London. And then up to Edinburgh, and then uh, you jump on a, uh, a ferry back straight into Amsterdam. You know, mm. it, it's a great location. <laughs> did, did you know it was going to be that good 
before you left or did it really sink in once you got there and once you figured out how close everything is and accessible everything is? Yeah, well, well, we initially thought, well, I initially thought that, you know, you would jump on a train, you would um, you would fly and those sorts of things. But it's achievable to drive, you know, mm. and, you know, people look at us and think that we're crazy in... Uh, you probably miss a lot in the plane. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, and I say, we, we've, you know, Australians drive, right? So, mm. um, you know, how, how far is it down the road? Well, it's a six-pack type of thing. Right? <laughs> so, um, for that, that sort of stuff that people don't understand and they, mm. they see us driving around, and but it's great. You know, right. I like driving. The, the kids are okay in the car. Uh, and so it's really cool. You do see a lot, you know, driving over the Swiss Alps, the Austrian Alps, um, through France, you know, through the fields, and it, it's pretty cool. It really is. Oh, well, geez, you're making me and probably everyone listening very jealous, Mal. So, yeah, it sounds like it was well worth it's it. It's not all roses, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, we, yeah, we might as well talk about the roses because, yeah, you, you didn't, as you said, you were dealing with COVID for the first couple of years and it wasn't probably as going to plan. So, lucky you got another couple of years left there to make up for what you missed out at the start. Yeah. Is there any places that are on the on the to-do list that you haven't been to yet? Yeah, and I think the, the French Riviera um, looks stunning. Um, our kids... Uh, um, uh, are not so much into France these days. We might oh, mate, leave them. Um, mate. That sounds yeah, like yeah, a you yeah. and the missus jobby. Um, Epony for <laughs> the Champagne region. Nicky wants to do that. Oh, uh, but there's, uh, there is, I mean, I really want to do Croatia and, and those sort of a Slovenia down that way um, through Greece again with the kids. Oh, my, um, my mother-in-law will be listening, will listen to this and she, her favourite place in the world is Croatia, Dubrovnik and all that. Yeah. They reckon it's the most beautiful Beautiful place in the world. It looks amazing, right? And and for us, you know, uh, I, I never understood why Europe closed down for the summer, um, like when we're working here, right? Because how do you walk away from a job for four to six weeks? Now I understand. Yeah. You've, you've had those months of darkness, you know, at the moment uh, it's dark between 4.30 in the afternoon, 8.30 in the morning. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, and when you go to, to Scandinavia and the Nordic countries, it's, it's worse, right? So um, you can understand that they're, they're pulling that back. So it's achievable to do a, a big run like that. It really is. Is Perth a bit underwhelming now coming back to it after all this? Or? Perth's always home. Yeah. And uh, it's always nice to be here. Uh, it's nice to have a familiar accent and um, and it's amazing how Australian you get when you come back here as well. And um, But I think also when you're away, some of the Australian – um, accents and sayings come out as well, uh, which is <laughs> uh, which is interesting. But that purse always going to be home. Very good. Um, what about Sam? Because uh, as a whole, I know you talked about the what parts and service are doing for transformation under under your leadership. What about? What about Sandvik as a whole? Where's that heading in terms of automation? What's on the what's the big the big ticket things of how this I guess your company's gonna evolve in this new world of EV and automation and everything yeah, like that? I think it's an exciting time for the industry. And you know, we went to the Castor event in uh, in Finland there in, in February, um, in September, along with other a whole other customers as four hundred plus customers or something that was there. So um, you know, we saw Amelia come out and it was an underground drill that um, there was cabless and fully automated and 
you get on a smartphone and say, hey, Amelia, you know, go and bore, cross-cut, whatever. Mm. And uh, so it's really interesting for that and, and the, the technologies and, you know, realising how that's going to work in a real mine is probably a few years away. But the technology that's involved in that is cool, right? So how do you use that in in what we're doing today? So I think it's, it is achievable. Um, you know, you partner with those like-minded companies that want to achieve the same thing. And, you know, if we look at where the battery technology is coming, you know, the, the generations coming through and the, the, the battery um, chemistries and the, the energy density, I think, is also um, pretty cool as well. So, I mean, just, you know, I viewed it a couple of weeks ago, the uh, the TH665B that's sitting in our Canning Valley yard. So a 65-tonne truck on batteries mm-hmm. uh, with all of the, the benefits that we had on the TH663, right? So full... Um, uh, suspension of the front end, which uh, uh, the, the industry was screaming about, and everything else that the industry has pushed is in that truck. So can it do a 12-kilometre decline? No, um, you can't solve that problem, but you've got to go back to what problem are you trying to solve first. You can't. It's not the silver bullet for everything, right? You can't fit it into every mine today. Right, but you can solve those problems uh, with ventilation. I mean, Loaders is uh, is essentially uh, ready to go today as well. You know, they they can go for majority of the shift and be achievable like that. Um, the 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 battery changes on the trucks now is down to a couple of minutes. Oh, and, really? Yeah, yeah. And, and you see the technology, uh, you know, that they've used now to. You don't have to get out of the truck to connect the electrics to the uh, to the to the truck now. <laughs> Right, it's pretty cool. Yes, there's still off the the machine that has to happen, um, but for the for the truck, so it can go to fully autonomous state in that in doing that. So and then you start to look at the drills. So you can solve a few problems in the drills and and take that away. And um, the DD four twenty two IE is is uh, is a proven uh, model now. Is a is a heap out there. Um, coming back in, it's the frame solo. That's um, uh, the DL422 IE. Uh, we have the well, it's the uh, row boulder. Essentially, that's a, uh, now a battery version. And in the next twelve months, you'll have the um, the boom solo and the um, the cable boulder. So you can solve those problems mm-hmm. in the near future as well. So you start to look at that and you take those issues away. So what problem are you trying to solve? If you've got ventilation issues. Um, in the lower part of your mind, then then you can do that today, right? Is is one of the big challenges of being, I guess, the blue chip machinery provider is that you always have to be first for technology and innovation. Like you have got a Sambic have to come up with the technology themselves. Usually, like yeah, there's no yeah. no one's no one gets to trial it first and you improve. Like you're putting the cock on the block straight up and evolving that way. Is that a big challenge of being a big organisation? Yeah, but I think um, I think the OEMs have to push um, the technologies out there and because uh, sometimes the technologies don't always get accepted either. Yeah. So, uh, and, or they come out a lot later. And I think automation is one of those, you know, we've had automated trucks in a loop since 2004, I think. And when did it initially take up? It's years and years and years later. So the industry is not always accepting of it, uh, which is a little bit frustrating at times. And then you've got to bring back the more simplified versions. And uh, you know, I heard the other day that we're still doing line of sight in in a location. It's like um, somewhere in Africa they lost someone, and the technology's there. You don't have to use that, right? So you know, and I think 
that's what the industry needs to do is understand what what technology out there what they need today um and there's the companies out there that really want that and and i think the same is for bevs if you if you need to invest in it like in the near term otherwise you're you're a long way away from the um those that have already learned from it as well and australia is is a different way of mining and you know we, we talk about a lot of big ramps and stuff and and you know, you, you, I think you talked about it the other day. You know, five loads out of a um, in a twelve-hour shift sort of thing. Yeah. You know, mm. that's a lot of fuel. That's a lot of energy density burnt in in that. That's not an easy one to solve. So, and I, and I think you'll get over the next um, period of time, you're going to have the hybrids come out. There has to be a substitute in between to solve that particular problem. Is there mixed messages coming from, I guess, between clients, contractors, everything of what? everyone wants because you know say a client as they've got the esg obligation so they want to go down battery route whereas a, you would have a contractor on a, a schedule of rates that doesn't want to risk losing any performance going down another route is there is it is there a lot of parties to try and please in this whole process of evolution yeah but i think it's also it, it is you, you need to please them i think it's also about education right you need to educate what we have today and what's tomorrow and what that actually might look like in their mind because it's not always easy. We're, we're talking very new technologies here mm -hmm. and there's not a lot of history out there. You know, everyone's had a diesel machine, understands that and, you know, you take that when um, people on um, um, air machines and, you know, coming into this mechanical age. So it, it's, it's a big shift. But there's, you know, limited information coming out or coming back of what the improvements are. But... They're, um, you know, so it, it's it's cool technology. It doesn't suit everyone right now today, and the supply is not there today either. So it is uh, you need to forecast that out and what that uh, those future mines look like as well. Has the whole COVID supply inflation issue has that sort of slowed down the EV revolution in a way? Um, I, um, I don't think so. I think um, it might have. Uh, I think it's. Um, had an issue with the supply side of some components because uh, anything now, those major components is out of 30 months, yeah. you know, so you, you have to have a pretty good forecast in to uh, if that's your plans. There, um, I think the logistics issues are now starting to clear out and that, and that was terrible um, watching those the logistics issues globally for everyone. You know, no planes flying is not good for anyone in, in mm -hmm. mining. Um, supply is now a real issue, it doesn't matter. Um, who you are and where you are in the world, you've been affected by mm. it. There, uh, it. It's uh, major components. It, it's about steel. It's about energy prices. It's uh, um, it, it's incredible mm. um, to watch that. Who's who's some of the best? I guess the best companies around the world that are that you work with that are looking to really embrace this that new technology. Some of the, I guess some of the best partners that really want to get on the front foot with EV technology and taking that next step yeah, and, I, and i think you, you'll see um those that uh, maybe we'll talk about markets uh, rather than um, individuals that want to um, try to exceed i think um, canada themselves i think is really good and the the government's behind that and um, they've invested and in, you know they kick in and uh and, and give rebates and all sorts and uh for bv investments in mines 
All right, so I think them as a um, country have done really well and, and they've adopted it and, and proven the technologies that we have today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Australia is, um, is uh, it's got a little bit of a step to go and I think there's you know some work to do with the regulators there to try and push that through uh, and make it happen a bit quicker. There, um, because it's 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 okay to promise. I think the, um, the the eventually, you know, if you put a BV in there, the ventilation costs are going to go down. But because you can't have the full complement um, today, you're not going to get all of those savings. So, can the government help there? And um, you know, the pool globally for BVs is um, is huge and. Um, Probably Canada is probably the the stellar country at the moment that's really pushing it and and really adopted and many minds have taken it on board today. And why why do you think Australia's lagging behind a bit? Is is it production rate pressures to maintain physicals? Uh, is it is what's is there a different different vibe or cause in Australia to compared to Canada? And I think maybe. Um, because we do mine differently, because um, the first thing people ask about a truck is, can it go up a 12-kilometre decline? You know, it's the wrong question to ask because um, if you look at this is a new technology, right? So it, it can't be the same. And it's and <clears throat> just because you've got Teslas on the surface doesn't mean you can use the same chemistry underground. So, and, and that's the issue that we have is, I think it's about education is what's available today, what's proven, what's safe, you know, and that's, you, you wouldn't put a Tesla anagram because of the chemistry. So, um, you know, they get ludicrous mode because of that chemistry that they have and um, they can t- use that energy density. But mm. with the energy density um, that we have in um, the underground fleets, it's, uh, it's, you just have to be smarter with it, right? So, um, so there's, a, I think there's some education out there and, and why we're using that and, and how safe it is to use in the underground um, versus, because you see now, you'll see, you know, everyone's using this on the surface and we've got battery light vehicles and we've got this and that. And, and you just can't apply the same to something that's going to consume, um, you know, huge amounts of energy density sitting on a decline um, mm. or loading, right? It's a very different um cycle that they have to do i'll be excited to see um like let's hypothetically say you're in a a, a relatively deep mine in australia but taking that say that bottom quarter of the mine where all the action is happening just taking away all the diesel equipment and having like all like battery loaders battery trucks and everything it would be amazing to see what your working conditions will be like for both diesel particulates and heat yeah. once you take away all the diesel combustion and whether whether places end up um dumping a quarter of the way and diesel hauls it out in the primary ventilation but it'll be it'll be so interesting to see what a mine is like when you go it, it becomes fully electric yeah. at depth and it'll be amazing to see what the working conditions are like yeah and uh, and i think it's going to be down to that health side right so there are when you get to those lower levels and you have ventilation concerns and uh, and we've seen that we've worked in it you know we've all been through those cycles there are it can make a big impact you know you can you can walk into a drive that a battery electric vehicle's been in and um, there's no well you can't physically feel that heat increase because it's like a, a degree or something right mm-hmm. so uh it's pretty incredible so mm-hmm. no and no diesel particulates you know we'll go back to those sorts of things it's pretty incredible mm. Yes, watch this space, as they say. Yeah. What about what about Mal himself coming? I know you said you got another couple of years in in Amsterdam. I guess what's on the horizon there, and once this, as you said, once you see this big, your 
I guess, baby project through <laughs> with the parts and service transformation. What what do you see on the horizon for yourself after that? Yeah, and it's funny, right? And and I go back to Sambic as a company. They've trained me up over the years and and I explain to my people is you're always training for your next role. You don't know what your next role is, but you're training to get better, right, and what interests you. So, um, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't ask for this role. You know, you get um, noticed within the business and say, there's a problem over here. Hey, um, does this interest you? So uh, if you deliver on what you're supposed to do today, um, then your next role will be there. All right. And so I've not, uh, you always have a, you know, a bit of a view of what that might look like and, um, uh, and, and aspirations. Uh, you, you have to have that and you have to have those goals. But, um, but you've got to have your head down and do the job today and you do it well and you'll be rewarded. That, that's the way I view it and, and, all, and I always have, right? So, um, and I think it's kind of cool that you can be in a company that does that. You know, and it's, um, you know, we've got some really cool people and, and, you know, I insist that with my team to make sure you get the training, make sure that you invest in yourself and, uh, and keep yourself relevant, updated. And I promote my people and, and what they've done and their successes. And so they're known within our business as well and they get the same opportunities that I've had. Yeah, it sounds like you're still pinging it when you get out of bed every day, <laughs> as you were last time, mate. It sounds like you still love it. Yeah, as I say, I go back to I was never going to go into the head office and, and shine a, a seat. It was uh, we had to be active. We were going to be doing something. We we're going to make this uh, make a difference. We didn't know what that looked like. Um, I go back to the family. I think the the family is better for it in making this move. I think. Um, um, me personally, I think um, that I'm better for it. I understand the business better, and I, you know, I've, I've applied different principles along the way. And um, you know, it, I think it's um, pretty cool to, to to make a difference. And you have that vision in your head of how you see something um, coming out and and to be delivered. And if, and if 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 we can actually deliver even half of what I've dreamed up, right? And, uh, you know, the team behind me that have to put up with my constant um, visions and, and what that might look like for Samic. And, you know, there I, I say, going into this, I had no idea about software or anything like that and um, explore discovery phases when you go through this and what's a sprint, you know, and as you deliver these minimum viable products. Um, but it's funny now, I've got a, a, an expert team that sits there and um, it, it's incredible to watch them, what the, the good work that they do. So, you know, it makes me happy and um, it makes me successful and makes, in turn, makes Sambic successful. And so it's pretty cool to watch. Oh, well, mate, when you, are, when you are in the suit, shining the seat in the head <laughs> office, don't forget about these podcasts, Mel. <laughs> No, I, I think the uh, it, it's funny, you know, and I, I, I promote the, the podcast out there and it, it, it makes me laugh on a, on, a, on a regular basis and listen to people because it's um, maybe echo what um, Macca brought up before. It's for this, these podcasts and your podcast, and I think it's, it's something that the industry needs. It's um it's a fair credit for yourself, you know, to, to grab this and jump in and, um, you know, neck deep in this because, you know, even within Sandvik, we have business controllers, we have account management, we have parts and service people all around the world and, and not just Australia, you know, people listening to it because some aren't real miners, right? So they, But they get an insight into what a real miner does and what their views are and how they see the world and 
oh, that's how it works. And I didn't know that. And, and plus the history, you know, I think is pretty incredible as well. I mean, I, um, I, I'm a history nut when it comes to mining, not so much other things. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, you know, I enjoy going into um, mining locations that have a bit of um, nostalgia in that as well and, and mm -hmm. see these um, big people of the industry as well and hear what they've been up to. And it's it's pretty incredible what, you, what you've been doing. So I enjoy it. It's well, I've jumped, as you said, I've jumped in, but I'm in too deep now, so I, can't, I, can't, I nearly can't get out. So, <laughs> no. you, you made promises as well. Yeah, exactly. Right, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. You've made my day <laughs> catching up with you. And, um, yeah, best of wishes to you and your family for the next couple of years in Amsterdam and then whatever else it brings after that, I'm sure it will be uh, very, very prosperous, whatever it is. So, yeah, and, and if you need a – Thanks for all your support and um, – kind merch you've given me over the years as well it's um yeah no thank very thanks very much that was a, that was a great insight into what what actually happens as you said on the back line of, mm. of all these machines that we people run into walls and everything in australia <laughs> so yeah it's a lot goes into it yeah and if you need a, a tour guide for amsterdam we're only 27 minutes right into into centrum so oh very uh, good yes no we'll keep that it sounds i don't think we'd leave if we got over there it sounds pretty <laughs> unreal so i highly recommend anyone going on a going on a european uh, family long-term holiday by the sounds yeah like it was very it is. very rewarding yeah good stuff now best of luck mate and happy new year to the majors yeah best for 2023 cheers mate